Pastor Xavier Reese on the importance of living by a higher standard. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's a good principle to remember. The law may say it's permissible, even commendable. You're a Christian. Your standard is the Word of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How big is God, and how much does He know? The answer for most Christians may seem elementary. Why, He's omniscient, all-knowing. Well, what happens when we don't know what He already knows? Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Genesis and explains what happens when we try to play God. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 through 16. The message is entitled, Please Don't Try to Help God. (laughs) Have you ever become impatient and felt that you had to help God to accomplish and fulfill what He had promised that He would do? Often people quote the saying, God helps those that help themselves, thinking it's in the Bible. Worse yet, when Christians quote it, the truth of the matter is that God often cannot help those who do help themselves. They only create greater problems for themselves. It is an easy trap to fall into. And Sarai and Abram are a perfect example to remind us of the carnal consequences of such a mindset. Even as Paul the Apostle told the Galatians, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you... Now made perfect in the flesh, Galatians 3.3. 3. No. Your flesh is worthless and so is mine. The works of my flesh are not even acknowledged by God. And they will hurt my life. The account of the birth of Ishmael unfolds for us in a threefold movement here in chapter 16. Let me read. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave you my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of waters in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from? And where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. 
And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord, who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahoiroi. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. The birth of Ishmael unfolds for us in three simple movements. First, the faithless suggestion of Sarai, verse 1 through 6. Secondly, the faithful intervention of God, verse 7 through 12. Thirdly, the faithful obedience of Hagar, verse 13 through 18. Let's look at the faithless suggestion of Sarai, verse 1 through 6. Notice in verse 1, the personal background of Sarai and Abram sets the stage. Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Uh, being barren was considered as a curse, as you know, especially in those days. And being barren was understood of not being in favor with God, but being in disfavor with God. And by the way, Sarai is said to be barren from the very beginning in chapter 11, verse 30 of Genesis, before they left Ur. It is interesting that God always chooses people who have no ability in themselves. We think that God's interested in ability. He's looking in availability, not ability. Our abilities get us in trouble. They're not good enough. Now notice Sarai had an Egyptian handmaid whose name was Hagar, and the servant girl was a servant companion, most likely was given to her by Pharaoh in the house of Pharaoh in Egypt as part of the dowry because he thought he was going to marry her until he found out that she wasn't the sister of Abram. Now, remember, Bilch and Zil, as we move in the story, were such gifts to Jacob, and he had children by, by them also. They were the gift of concubines through his wives. Now, the name Hagar means flight, and perhaps even prophetic here of the event to come. The contrast between the two women are very, very important at this point. Uh, Sarah is old and barren, while Hagar is young and fertile. Sarai is free and of the lineage, while Hagar is a slave and in bondage. Sarai is the legal wife of Abram. Hagar is the concubine of Abram. Sarai was to depend upon the promised son of covenant. Notice in verse 2. Sarah presents to Abram the plan she has been pondering to solve the seeming problem. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Sarai, in her frustrating distress, blames God for her condition. Literally, God has shut me up. If we don't look at our condition as God being involved, we'll get bitter against God. We'll complain against God. It's interesting, the three wives of the patriarchs, they're all barren. Again, God looking for availability, instruments that really can't glory in themselves. Sarah is acting like Abram did in Egypt now to solve the problem. Now it's her turn. Have you noticed that as husband and wife, you both fail? You each get turns. <laughs> One of you is imperfect, though you think you are. Sarah is 75. Abram's 85. They're all geezers. <laughs> God's promised them children. 
Now notice Sarai pronounced the plan by way of petition to Abram. Ladies, you know it's been said the men are the head, but the woman's the neck that turns the head. Okay? Now, okay, listen. She pronounces here the plan by way of petition to Abram. She says, please, go into my maid. Of course you want to please your wife, right? <laughs> Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. These guys are 100% beef, both of them at this point. This might have been the first time she suggested it, but I don't think so. The word obtain means to build up. The same word used for Eve by God's creation. Out of the rib God made Bana, built a woman, Genesis 2.22. Same word. Thinking she would build up her family by children, she actually was going to tear down. Whoa. Are you pondering things? You got it all wired? You think you're going to go for it and you end up in a hole. But Abraham had no excuse. He knew what God had revealed to him, the promise of the son. He knew the idea, one man for one woman, Genesis 2.24, the promise of Genesis 12, 1 through 3. He knew it already. Chapter 15. He knew it. The giving of a concubine to one's husband due to barrenness was uh, accepted practice uh, to have children. And it's verified by the Hammurabi Code that we've discovered. But Abraham was without excuse. Abraham buys into this partnership in the plan. Listen to him. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Abram should have said, no, honey, we're not going to do it that way. To the dishonor of God, he did it. In not believing God, trusting God. Adam did the same thing. And he brought the fall in Genesis 3, 17. He heeded his wife, Eve. The word for heed is the same word used for Adam. Literally, to listen to her voice. That is not to say that husbands are not to listen to when their wives say or have criticism or anything else. But whenever it is unbiblical or compromising, heads act like the heads, not like the tails. The greater responsibility falls on us men who are the high priests of the home. Though contracts from Mesopotamia had a clause to obligate the infertile wife to provide a husband with a surrogate so that he might have children. And Jacob even kind of did this with Rachel and Leah's concubines. Abram was without excuse for hearkening to Sarai. And maybe he just started pondering, well, maybe God meant, okay, he promised me, but maybe he means this way, okay. See, and if you ponder too much on your own reasoning and you start deviating from Scripture, you start buying into it. You start rationalizing. Very dangerous. The Bible says that um, God doesn't tempt any man, but every man is tempted when he's carried away by his own lusts and desires and then enticed. James 1, 13 through 14. Notice the personal participation in the execution of the plan by Sarai is recorded. Very meticulous. Listen. The hands-on initiation came from Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. The detailed account is no coincidence. Why? Because Sarai is the one at fault here. 
moving through every little step. Listen, listen. Every time steps are recorded, every time they're going that way that's unbiblical, the Holy Spirit says, what are you doing? Where are you going? What are you looking at? What are you thinking on? And it's a check. And if you go next step, he checks. And he'll check you every step until you cross that line where it's too late. You've done it. Every step, hoping to repent before it's too late. Once you cross that line, you've jumped off the building. Get ready to splatter. Okay? As Eve took the fruit and gave it to her husband and he ate, so Sarah here took Hagar, gave her to Abram, and he partook of her. Both events account a fall into sin. Now, notice the precise time of Abram's dwelling in the land dates this event. After Abram had dwelt in the year in the land 10 years, the land of Canaan. First mistake was in trying to uh, figure out God, how he was going to work. The second mistake is in being impatient, which prompted them to act. 10 years down the drain. You're faithful to serve the Lord 10 years, and then you have an affair. You're faithful to do this, then you do something dumb, or I do something dumb. It takes so long to build character. It takes a thousand of a second to destroy it. The father of faith once again has faltered, but this time with more severe consequences. Notice the personal partaking of the plan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Their oneness would be manifested in the child. Notice in verse 4 through 6 there, the end, 4 down to 6, the personal plan of Sarai backfired. You see, we think we have a... Oh, I got it in control. And then, boom, it blows up. We go, what happened? You're in the flesh. Listen. The promising expectation turned out to be a poison to Sarai. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Hagar gloated in her pregnant state, provoking Sarai to envy and jealousy. Maybe walking by Sarah all the time. Oh, oh, I just have craving for Campbell cookies or this and that. And, oh, my stomach itches and stuff. You know, just, you know how you are, lady. Wow, wow. Huh. Hagar looked down on Sarai. The word despise means slight, to look down or to be counted little for an account. Verse 5, the personal indignation of Sarai towards Hagar is expressed. Listen. The passing of the buck is declared. Then Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. Whoa, what's wrong with this woman? She on PMS or what? I mean, what's going on? I mean, wasn't her plan? The word wrong is the word used for sin and violence that brought the flood in Genesis 6, 11, and 13. Wow. It is also used for one who cries out violence for help, and people are duty-bound to help, Job 19, 7. And then Sarai was blaming Abram here, passing the buck, just like Adam did of Eve in Genesis 3, 12 through 13. It's the woman you gave me. Man, sin nature is bad, bad news. Notice Sarai desiring Abram to experience her pain and envy because misery likes company, right? And his jealousy, he asked Abram to restore her rightful place of honor and correct the dishonor. Sarai was feeling the heat of the consequences. And so she pronounces her involvement but takes no responsibility. Listen, she, she, she's actually 
exposing herself, but she doesn't see herself at fault. Listen, because this is just like us. I gave my mate to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. She recounts the plan she executed. Sarah recounts the consequences of being despised, which means to be looked down and be esteemed very low. Sarah refused to take responsibility for her actions. Our whole society is built around that. The whole PC language. Well, I'm dysfunctional. I'm an enabler. I'm codependent. Shut up. You're a sinner. You're guilty. It's your fault. And then, listen, ladies. Sarah wraps it all up in a prayer, attempting to make it something spiritual. The Lord judged between you and me. Whoa. It's bad enough when we sin, but then we try to involve the Lord to back up our sin. Well, you know, I know that I was unfaithful and all this and that, or I ripped the company off and all But, you know, the scripture says God uses evil for good. Come in a little closer. I can smack your head. <laughs> Do you know how often I hear that as a pastor from people? Just admit your guilt, shut up, and walk away. Don't try to rationalize it. You add to your sin. Sarah wanted to persuade Abram that it was his fault, which in reality it was, according to God, but the focus of this story is Sarai. Make no mistake of it. Sarah was not repentant. She was merely expressing remorse over her consequence, and that's usually what happens even among Christians, okay? When we're in the flesh. In verse 6, the personal position of authority by Abram was abdicated. Listen. Men, pay heed. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand, indicating Sarah still had authority over Hagar. Compounding his sin, he should have stepped in. He should have done it in the first place. He didn't. But this is a second chance for him to stop it. He did not. Do to her as you please, leaving Hagar to vengeance, leaving Hagar alone. Ladies, you know how ladies feel when men abandon. It's treachery. It's betrayal. It doesn't make for best relationships. When Sarai dealt harshly with her, and the word harshly means to afflict under cruel treatment, to put down, it's the same word that is used for the children of Israel in the Exodus by the Egyptians. And it's also used for people escaping as they are, their lives is under threat of being killed in the scriptures. Her? Sarai? The mother and father of faith? Yep, they're just like you. Just like me. Hagar fled from her presence. She was left no choice. She had no human resources. And that's really about the only good thing out of this story till this point. One of the best things that will happen to you and me is you will have no human resources. You're going to have to go to God. Your particular circumstance may seem impossible as uh, Sarai is here. And you may want to help God out, but you need to not add to your own hurt. God perhaps has spoken to you about healing your marriage or saving your unsaved mate. But you're too impatient. So you are seeking out counsel to agree with your decision of leaving already. You're just looking with enough people to agree with you. 
you may believe God has called you into a ministry in the church, and again, attempting to figure out God, how and where, and assessing everything in your own mind, thinking people don't understand what a gift you are, um, you begin to promote yourself and barge down doors and criticize whatever you need to. You may be thinking God wants you to buy a particular house. In fact, you are in fact say that God spoke to you that it's going to be yours. But somehow you don't qualify when you apply financially, so you start manipulating the figures, thinking you're acting in faith when it's really foolishness like Sarai. You may find yourself a single individual getting desperate. Clock is ticking. Starting to get gray hair. So you go out fishing thinking you're going to get a trout and you get a shark. <laughs> then you try to blame God. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the way of death. What was a permissible standard by the law of the land in Sarah's day was sin to her as well as Abram. The same way and the same principle applies to us today individually and for families. A woman is being not only permitted, but encouraged to work to be part of the income of the home. The benefits examined intellectually are neatly observed and the plus aspect are put on one side, while the consequences are minimized, if not altogether ignored. The woman being absent from the home deprives the children of the motherly care and nourishment and oversight that they so desperately and consistently need. The shared responsibility to provide income for the home often results in a woman having a sense of such independence that makes divorce much easier and accepted and to be pursued. The exposure of a wife to be under the authority and demands of unbelieving men in the workforce can cause great problems and compromises that will bring stress and destruction to the marriage relationship, even adulterous affairs. These are not the most beneficial circumstances for ethical and moral growth in the marriage relationship. All these result in putting a strain on the marriage that it doesn't need. It results in abusive authority and injustices by both sides, every party involved. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. The law may say it's permissible, even commendable. You're a Christian. Your standard is the word of God. It's hard to tell the church from the world today in many ways. The divine design for marriage is clear. The husband's the head of the wife. That does not mean that the head does not listen to his wife, as I said earlier. But it means that he is the priest of the home and he wants to run everything through the scriptures. You both hold each other accountable. The wife is to be submissive to her husband in everything as unto the Lord. The limitation is the biblical scriptures as unto the Lord. She's not to submit herself to unbiblical demands, perversions, or anything else. Ephesians 5.24. Isaiah 55.8.9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's a good principle to remember. The faithless suggestion of Sarai created greater problems. Pastor Xavier Reese and the consequences that follow when you try to help God out. Now you can pick up a copy of today's intriguing message. Please don't try to help God. It's available on CD for only $4. Be sure and pass a copy of these truths along to someone in your church or Bible study. The title to ask for once again is Please Don't Try to Help God or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it helps us when you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. What happens when we have a better plan than God? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 